Hey, y'all, welcome to the Marty Smith's America podcast. This is volume 100-something. And, man, it's a good one. Somebody that I've admired, even though he's way out of my league when it comes to social media expertise, Omar Raja runs all of the ESPN social media accounts, the Sports Center account at all. And his story is fascinating. You guys are going to love this interview because he just um, – I mean, really, he's, he's the American dream. He had an idea. He had the guts to follow the idea. He was passionate in the approach to facilitating the idea. And he made the idea so good that it changed the industry in which he worked. You know, well, first of all, everybody is out of your league with social media, Marty. Like the only person that is like behind you is like Wright Thompson. And that, that's the list. I so, really do. I really am bad at it. Uh, well, yes, but it's also that, you just you also don't like it and no, you're bad but yeah but it is impressive when you have companies coming to you which people will hear about it like you know you're good when people are calling you to ask you to come work for them and he did that and it's just fascinating to me that this is so for those of you who don't know Omar's path he is the founder of House of Highlights which is the, I mean, I, I, maybe I should say was, Travis. I don't know. I guess they're a competitor of Omar's now. But uh, he built it into the premier highlight social media channel for sports that existed. And he was so good at it, and he built such a great product that Turner came in with Bleacher Report and bought it from him. And then – the president of ESPN, Jimmy Pataro, calls and is like, hey, bro, we want you to come over here and run the Sports Center account. The president didn't call me when I got hired at ESPN. He didn't call me either, Jack. <laughs> he didn't call me either, man. But that just tells you how dynamic and, and what's the word? Like, pro, not progressive, rev, not revolutionary. I don't know what it's the word is. It's one of is, those but- because he's, he was so far ahead – like what people are doing now, he was trying to do as a kid. Yeah, man. He's like the LeBron James of social media. And he would love that comparison because that's his hero. And and you you guys will get to hear him talk about when it really started to gain traction and LeBron and D. Wade started paying attention to what he was doing. And it, the infusion of self-confidence that comes with that. It was just a fascinating conversation, and I'm so grateful for his time, and I might end up getting fired because I kept him off his phone for an hour. So I noticed he said it. Uh, it might have been after we stopped taping, but he glanced over, and I saw him. He's one of the best people at checking the phone and still keeping a focus on the interview because, yeah, that had to be, you know, well, like awful for him. He's pretty damn skilled at it because it's what he does all day, every day of his life. Just a, a really, really good time to get to spend that time with Omar. Really grateful for his time. Before we get to our conversation, and you guys will learn so much about kind of the mind behind ESPN's social channels, I wanted to remind, remind you guys to check out Stephen A's World. Stephen A's World streams every day on ESPN+, Plus, bringing fans Stephen A's entertaining perspective and deep expertise with signature guests. The best interviews from Stephen A's world are now available as a podcast every Wednesday as well. Listen whenever you get your podcast and watch Stephen A's world on ESPN+. And with that, it's time for our interview with 
Omar Raja. Roll it, Travis. I want to start with the question that all of America has. How many damn hours a day do you have your phone in your hand? My screen time is probably close to 14 hours a day. How do you do that? It becomes a habit. It really does. It just kind of becomes a thing that you just naturally wake up. First thing is to grab the phone. Walking around, I just grab the phone. I actually don't run into stuff that often, which is great. Because that would be the one worry, right? Like you're walking around, especially New York City. There's so many dang people and they're rude. So if I'm running into somebody, that could be the (laughs) end of me. So I've gotten very good at it. I mean, some of it is instinct. I think it's tough when I'm at dinners or I'm talking to someone and you don't want to disrespect them. So you don't want to grab your phone. But um, my friends are used to it. Everyone around me has gotten used to it. So I guess I guess that kind of helps, too. It is so interesting to me, the, you know, the way the way you've built what you've built, which is fantastic. And we'll get into that whole path in a minute. But I'm trying my hardest to run away from the phone. I'm trying my hardest to run away from social media and, and, and everything that comes with it. But I'm an old man, dude. I'm in my mid 40s. You're not. I guess what kind of conviction does it take to compromise is too strong a word, Omar, but to to inject that type of living, manner of living into your daily walk where people have to understand that, hey, man, hold up, hold your thought. I got LeBron just flushed it on some dude. I'll get back to you in a few minutes. Like, yeah. how does that work? Man, I, I, don't, I don't even know where you start. It, it's like, first off, you're going to have to have thick skin. Not, not just from like, my mom used to always be like, what are you doing? Like, why are you always on your phone? Like, and it gets to a point like you work too much. You know, you're just on your phone all day. I'm just trying to say hello. And you're, you're talking to me, but you're not even looking at me. So those are those are conversations that I had to have with my parents, especially my mom, to kind of get her to understand where I'm coming from. And I think the success helped that, too, of like, hey, this is actually working and pay some bills. I can, you know, you know, buy some, I can buy some nice stuff for the family now, you know, that type of stuff definitely helps. But also the other side of it is now, you know, you have these accounts with millions of followers and you have all these different platforms where people can say whatever they want. And the best advice I got from people at ESPN was you better have thick skin. And even before that was like, I used to watch YouTubers. I used to watch big Instagram people. Like, you're going to have to have thick skin. So not only is it the personal life stuff you're going to have to deal with, but people can say whatever they want to you and about you. It doesn't have to be true. They can DM it to you. They can comment on your post. They can do their own post about you. So those are all things that you kind of have to adjust to. And it's never easy at first, especially some of the criticism stuff. And I've been doing, you know, I was doing YouTube videos in like 08, 09, and I was a kid. So you can imagine what the comments were like then. But even then, you still have to adjust. There's still moments where, you know, you can wake up one day, but man, that comment isn't sitting right with me today. So there's definitely adjustments you have to make throughout the year or throughout, you know, the journey. And it's slowly and slowly and slowly uh, happens. Yeah, it's taken me a long time, man. I've been at ESPN 15 years and I'm the one guy in the company, well, me and Randy Moss with a Southern accent. Right. And so, you know, a lot comes with that. And it's taken me a long time to build the self-confidence to not care what anyone says about me, good or bad, and or, 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 or maybe not care, not take self-worth in it. Don't judge your self-worth on what someone Definitely. you're never going to see or meet says about Definitely. you, right? I think that's the biggest part is like, they're never going to know you. 
they're never most of the times they're not going to meet you and they have this big perception about you that they don't even like they have nothing to really go off of right mm -hmm. and i think if they met any of us a lot of times they they i think their opinion would change so it's not like our friends or our family is judging us it's the people that don't even know us i want you to walk me through the whole thing how do you get to this point where you're a kid in 08, gosh, I'm a fossil. You're a kid in 08 and you start this journey. How does it end up here with this unbelievable position at ESPN? So, I mean, first it always starts by passion. Amen. Like it, it, it really is like, I promised everyone out there. No, I never went into this stuff, especially thing. I was 14 I wasn't doing it for money. I was doing it because I enjoyed it. And it actually started with video games and YouTube. Um, and I wanted to become a YouTuber. And I was just too young. I mean, you know, when you think about it, you have to get equipment. You have to get a nice camera. You have to get a microphone for video games back then if you wanted to record anything. Whether it was NBA 2K, Madden, Call of Duty, you were going to need to buy an expensive capture card. Those cost a couple hundred bucks. So, you know, the PlayStation cost 600 bucks. Imagine running to your dad right after, like, I need a $200 capture card. And he's like, what is it? How many games what does that is have? That? Like, no, dad, that doesn't, <laughs> that, that, does, that doesn't have games. It just records the games. And he's like, why do you need to record the games? Because there's a website called YouTube. Like, it just becomes a maze. But, you know, it, it starts there. I would go on YouTube. I would watch people play NBA 2K or Madden. And I think also sometimes they would use NBA 2K footage to talk about the NBA because, you know, you don't have rights. So you're going to use NBA 2K to talk about your favorite mm -hmm. players, whether it's LeBron or Kobe or whoever it was. So I remember going on eBay, bidding on NBA 2K, buying the games and then saying to myself one day, like, I am going to make it big. I'm going to record this. I'm going to record videos. And I failed. And, you know. <laughs> It happens, but I'm so glad I did that because I learned a lot, right? I learned, hey, a lot of people think, oh, you just open an Instagram account and just start posting and the mm -hmm. thousands of followers roll in and that's never how it works. So I think for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to make the make the account. I'm going to make some videos. I'm going to talk about Le LeBron. I'm going to talk about Carmelo. I'm going to talk about Kobe. And it just never really got there, right? And I, I just... I never figured out. I mean, I think for YouTube people, it, there's keywords you want to have in. People talk about optimization, but also the biggest thing is keeping your viewers interested. So the first, you know, the first bit of a video, you want to hook them, and then after that, you want to um, kind of have your content be interesting. So it's it's that perfect balance of not too long, just right, and, and has a great hook. But YouTube, I failed at, but it was a great thing because I saw other people succeed, and it never made me jealous. I actually just went in and studied them. I'm like, okay, here's what they did right. And here's what I did wrong. And when that next opportunity comes, I'll be ready for it. And so Twitter kind of came around, but Twitter was just text. Instagram came around. It was just photo at first. People forget mm -hmm. it was just photo. So for me, I was like, well, let me go on to Photoshop. And back then the craze was making like LeBron James, your iPhone wallpaper, especially for my generation. When I was in high school, you all had LeBron or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady was your wallpaper. I said, I'm going to go on Instagram and I'm going to make my own wallpapers. So I would go in and I learned it was really bad at first. And there's nothing wrong with that. The people like when you start off, it's always rough and you're only going to get better. That's the way that's the way I view it. So 
the stuff was bad at first, but you know, for three, four, five months, it got really good. I started making an account called Sports Posters and it was taken off. You know, those thousands of followers were finally rolling in of you start posting stuff, you, you put in hashtags of LeBron and BA and people find it. And slowly but surely, it was starting to roll. You know, it took a month to get a thousand followers, but then it only took two months to get 15,000 followers, you know? And then after that, it, it you know, a few more months and you have a hundred thousand. So that was really cool to see. And then when video started, I made it my kind of thing to see what was wrong because video had just been introduced to Instagram. It came out of nowhere. I think it had a lot, a lot had a lot to do with Vine. And I said, okay, if I was going to do a video page, what would that look like? So I went on YouTube, I went on Twitter, and I'm like searching for certain highlights that I remember when, you know, LeBron was on the heat and, you know, Mario Chalmers is, oh, yeah. is yelling at LeBron or LeBron's yelling at Mario Chalmers. Honestly, you know, a, a big part of some of the inspiration was also like Dan Lebetard. I mean, I grew up in Miami and, and that radio show was super i mean it made not only did that heat team make everyone more passionate but i loved getting on the show or here listening to that show at 3 p.m and they're talking about the moments that i'm thinking about Hmm. so i'm also like when i'm thinking about this stuff and i'm looking at these highlights that i'm trying to find that i text my friends about or the dan levitard show is discussing i'm like how in the world is this not anywhere you know everyone just did the lebron dunk or the Dwayne wade angle breaker so I said, let me try to capture these moments um, that no one else is doing. And I did it at first. Some of my friends laughed at me. I, I think that that's one thing to remember is that doesn't <laughs> change. You know, I even, you know, after all this quote unquote success, I made a TikTok page like nine months ago. And my friends still roast me about that today. But there, you know, today I hit a million followers. So to the people that want to start something and your friends kind of make some some jokes and listen, it's all jokes, right? It was never that serious, but don't let that ever get in your head, you know, go, go into it, try your best and, and see where that goes. But what was cool is I, I did those moments. You could see people sharing it. I mean, you would get thousands and thousands of, of DMS and shares. And I knew I kind of had something pretty quickly compared to like when I did the sports posters account, I didn't know if I had something, but the highlight account with the moments like the Mario Chalmers stuff, I knew I had something immediately. So was that where House of Highlights was born? Was that House of Highlights? Yes. That I mean, was House of Okay. But you know what it was called? It was called the Highlight Factory. Okay. And uh, and that wasn't a great name. You know, House of Highlights is a really good ring to it. And I remember about a week in, I was just like, I don't like this name. I hate this name, the Highlight Factory. So I changed it to House of Highlights and um, boom, boom, boom. Great name. When you watch sports, how do you watch sports differently than most of us watch sports? When I watch sports, like there was a Lakers game on Saturday, Lakers heat rematch. When everyone looks at AD coaching his teammates, I'm looking at his shirt. Like, what does he have on his shirt? Is there anything funny? I made a mistake because I had the game on mute because I was doing like I was on a call and just trying to multitask too much where I thought he had like a catch up stain. On his thing, but it was so, so. My thing immediately was that's a moment. Anthony Davis is just like us. There is a ketchup stain on his shirt, and and that was going to be the moment that I that I was going to hit. I mean, then I started clipping the video, and I'm like, oh no, that's blood. That's blood. So I can't. I'm not going to go messing around with that. But 
That's the type of stuff I look for. Everyone, I mean, Bam Adebayo blocked LeBron James at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. That's great. Everyone, everyone's going to be able to do that. For me, stuff like the Jimmy Butler is smiling right after, you know, that moment or, um, you know, pointing at Bam right after like, hey, don't get too excited, get back on defense. I think those are the moments that I try to look for where it's that human element of it. You know, 50% of social media seems to be like for players is they're really good at basketball or they're really good at football. or They're really good at whatever sport they do. Um, And the other half is people saying to themselves, oh, I like that guy. And that can be for a variety of reasons. It can be, oh, he's just like us, right? So if Anthony Davis has ketchup stains on his shirt, hey, we've all been there. You know, <laughs> if, um, if, if, he's, if Anthony Davis is now joking around with LeBron James, like, oh, man, they're just like us. Like, that's, that's me and my friends. So I think people look for that relatability factor in some way. What makes a good caption? Quick, concise, and relatable. I think the biggest ones are – like when you make a joke, especially the ones when like you're texting your crush and she rejects you yeah. and, and yeah. like it's like someone being sad or, or down. People love that because everyone's been there before. And sometimes the best ones are just ones that like no one openly talks about. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example, um, but I can't think of one. I, I guess I guess going back to the relationship stuff, like there's a lot of stuff that especially with relationships that people don't openly talk about of like whether it's being rejected or they get their heart broken or something, you know, that some awkwardly paying for the bill and she's paid, you know, some he or she has spent way too much. Right. So stuff like that is the stuff that quick one line, throw some emojis on there and you're good to go. How did you get to that place though? How did you get to the place where, where, where you realize that, Oh, wait a minute. I can take that moment that happened in the, Pacer Celtics game mm-hmm. and I can make it about what happened to me at the bar last night and right. people are going to laugh their ass off. How, how do you get there? So you're right on a lot of things. That was the, one of the biggest. That's um, a breakthrough, man. Yeah. That was one of the biggest things that helped propel it to the level it did. I mean, I was good at, I was good at cutting the highlights too, but I mean, that is the moment that got shared more than the LeBron dunk, mm-hmm. right? Those moments. So literally it was me with my friends. It was a Friday night Heat Clippers game on ESPN. And I made the joke just to test it to my target audience, which is like my two friends sitting next to me. And I was like, if they, if I miss here, they're going to roast me until, you know, all day today. But if they actually giggle or they laugh, I'm going to do it. And I think it was Ray Allen on the bench. I wish I could find the clip. But it was like Ray Allen on the bench looking lost because I think Jamal Crawford had just crossed him up and it just it was bad. And I forgot what exactly jo- the joke I made. It was it was definitely something with relationships of like, you know, or something like, uh, uh, you know, when, when you finally have that one on one matchup with with your crushes, uh, you know, uh, man and, and you blow it or something like that. <laughs> and and so I, I did. I, I was like, OK, my friends laughed. I'm going to try it. And it was a success once I posted it. So, you know, I got the confidence really from, from my two friends that day that, that, uh, that approved the joke, I guess. When did you realize House of Highlights was a thing? Probably within six months because, remember, I had done that photo account. And after a year, it had like 200,000 followers, which is pretty good. That's a lot. 
a lot. Amazing. It was was amazing. And House of Highlights reached about a million in like seven months. Hmm. And I was like, this growth is insane. But I remember, you know, you remember moments. Like I remember the first time Snoop Dogg followed the account. He was like the first celebrity that I saw followed the account. How'd you react? I called my dad and I said, do you know who Snoop Dogg is? <laughs> of course I know who Snoop Dogg is. And I was like, he followed the account. And I, I remember the other moments too, I think. You know, I think I started in August and then by March, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James had both followed the account. And I was like, we made it like I made it. We made it. There's nothing nobody can tell me for the rest of my life about the account because those two follow. And I remember LeBron followed because he did like a dance away from the referee. Like it was him dancing. And I and I did some joke of like when your parents are arguing and you try to say something funny to break the the (laughs) tension and you just they, they just look at you and you know you're about to get it so um he liked that he liked the post and i think he even um uh commented on it i think just like a laughing emoji but I, that was a moment for me man that was a that was a big big moment for me how did your parents reaction or belief in what you were doing evolve yeah so one of the great things i did have was that my dad became like an entrepreneur Right. He had done the corporate thing. He had, you know, worked for Toyota and Lexus and been a car salesman and had kind of gone through all that. And then in, in 1999, he switched to, to real estate and, and started his own company. And it was the best decision he made in his life. So I think that made him a lot open to stuff. He was he was open to entrepreneurship and open to doing what you love. Like he didn't enjoy car sales. He enjoyed like selling houses and, and that business way more. And that was the best part of it is my dad was supportive and I didn't tell them right away. Like this was my big plan to to be fair. I think I told my dad when I had like 50,000 followers. So it was like, Oh, well, that's a lot. That's a big number. But immediately my dad was great. He's like, okay, what are some things we can make to, can we sell merch? You know, LeBron James had just put on at that point. You remember when he broke his nose, he had like a black mask. Absolutely. Everyone was like, he looks like Batman. Can we make a mask quickly? Like, he was great immediately about trying to um, think of ideas of, of ways to, you know, kind of make it a business. So my dad was always great with that stuff. This is a difficult one, maybe, but how did you learn to monetize everything? Like, what's that process like? So the biggest thing I learned from YouTube was in 2008, nobody was able to monetize. And that made some people give up. So people mm-hmm. would have these you know, 50,000 subscribers in YouTube in 08 was crazy. That was a huge number. You were famous in YouTube world. Um, But what happened was people would, people like, I'm not making money off this. Takes too much time out of my day. I'm out. And six months later, YouTube introduced monetization and, and everyone was able to make money again. And the people that quit ended up losing it all because YouTube is very much like consistency. And if you start losing that audience and you're going active for six months, you lost your audience. And, and those people really regretted it. So my thing was in the beginning, don't worry about monetization, just grow, 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 grow. So that first year free, there was hey, no way on. to monetize. How'd you really? eat? I, I listen, man, I couldn't pay my electric bill. Sometimes I, uh, I started trying to make YouTube videos for some money. Um, shout out to the McDonald's at the dollar menu in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> and it was so close. I could walk to it. So I didn't even need to use gas. 
So that the McDonald's and the Burger King, I could walk to. So that's what I always did. And my haircuts. I would take a little bit longer in between haircuts, but I would walk to everything. Anything I could walk to, I'd walk to. Um, but, you know, listen, there was there was clutch moments where I remember my, my dad came to, like, my apartment in Orlando. And, you know, he was like, man, it's hot in here. I was like, yeah, I don't run the AC. <laughs> and... And I, he's like, well, I'm running the AC. Like, I'm your dad. You're going to run the AC here. And, and I was like, listen, man, like, I can't afford it. And, and, and um, you know, one of the biggest moments that made me smile was, you know, the next week I get the electric bill. And I'm, like, freaking out because my dad, you know, we use the AC all weekend. And my dad sent the, the electric company $200. So now the next three months awesome. of, of electricity was, was, uh, was going to be good. And uh, – that all I can say is that AC was great, but there were a lot of tricks. I mean, man, when you, when you don't have that money, I mean, I had a trick with the water heater. I would turn off the water heater and I would only turn it on five minutes before my shower. It would be hot enough at that point. I would take a two minute shower and then I'd shut the water heater back off. Like it really was, was tricks like that of, of just finding ways to save money because I had this belief that I'd be able to make money off it. And that first year, there really wasn't much. But, you know, what happened was there's people that made case like iPhone cases and they would sometimes have, you know, like think about on your iPhone, you have like this Apple logo. Right. And remember, the Odell catch was that sick catch. And people, there you go. Everyone has a sick iPhone case. And that business started booming in 2014, 2015. Some of it was like LeBron's dunking and now it's mm -hmm. the app. He's using the Apple logo to dunk or it's Odell catching or it's Brady. He's using the Apple logo to throw. And all of these copycat businesses started coming and they would now pay for advertising, whether it was house of highlights or sports posters, and they would, they would pay you. Listen, I think I made 30 bucks a day, but 30 bucks a day was great. And listen, I think it even got to a point of 50, 60 at the end. So like, it, it wasn't pretty bad, especially for a college kid where I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, I wasn't even thinking a job. I was like, this could be a great side gig, you know, <laughs> like, hey, I'm making 30K a year on the side. This is amazing. You know, so it life was great at that moment, you know, and but I think the tricky thing was and this started happening to to other people that had had highlight accounts or sports accounts is they went too much into the advertising space. Mm -hmm. Meaning they would do five posts a day, but they would do eight advertisements that day. Yeah, you lose your authenticity. You lose, you lose it. And what happens is the accounts are losing followers. And with me, I saw that and said, listen, I'm a kid. I really need this money, but I got to I got to be smart here. You know, I'm going to set limits no matter how hard people beg sometimes, no matter how hard they want an advertisement. I can only do two a day. So whoever wants to be those two. We'll figure it out, but it's not going to three because if I get to three, people are starting to get certain their the experience is kind of ruined on Instagram and, and people are going to unfollow and people are going to be unhappy. So, um, you know, that was another thing that helped me uh, uh, defeat my competitors in a way was they went all in on the money because it was the, everyone. It was everyone's first chance at money after a year. And everyone went crazy. And I was like, I'm not going to go crazy. I'm going to keep building. When did ESPN enter the equation? Well, Bleacher Report did. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yep. Bleacher Report did in 2015. Did they buy it? 
They bought it. They bought it outright. They so you got it. rich. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I, I I definitely didn't like looking back at it. You know, I definitely should have asked for a lot more money. You know, <laughs> but I, you know there was you know the, the one of the scary stuff about social media is some of it was that you didn't have rights. You know, I didn't have rights to post NBA and and you know NFL and and anything I posted really, and that was always dangerous, right? Um, and, and, you know, you saw Twitter accounts getting shut down for that stuff. But, you know, what, what did give me confidence was Adam Silver once was in a, a panel and they actually asked him the question, like, other leagues are shutting down people that post highlights. Why don't you delete them? And he said, well, highlights are marketing. I'm not I, I, I'm people. People are going to be more interested in the game because now they're seeing the highlights easily and more. They're more accessible and they're worldwide. And he's you know, so like, smart. He's so smart. He's a smart dude, and, man. And, and you know what the biggest thing was? I remember there was, you know, those there was accounts on Twitter that would get shut down for posting certain leagues. I'll leave them nameless. And three years later, because of the success of House of Highlights and other people on social media, those same leagues started DMing us their highlights and would ask us to post it. Amazing. And I'm like, three years ago, if I posted you, I wouldn't have an account anymore because I would get too many copyright strikes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was like, okay, listen, if you really want to monetize, especially monetize off NBA highlights, you're going to have to become like an actual league partner. And there's two places to go whether it was ESPN or Turner and Turner called first. So, you know what, they're going to get, they're going to get, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the negotiation here, but, you know, right, right when I was in the middle of the negotiation, actually, and I, I was, I actually wasn't sure if I wanted to do it because my dad was an entrepreneur and I didn't want to go into a corporation. And I was like, you know, I, I just made 30K, 40K. Like maybe I can, you know, stick this out. And one day it's way more than that. You know, if I, if I just, you know, try. But um, what happened was I got my account hacked and it's, okay. it's something called uh, SIM swapping. It's like a, it's a thing that still happens to this day. I, so now think about it. Now they have my cell phone number mm. and how does everything get reset? They, they send a four-digit code to your phone number. So not only did he get into my Instagram account, he got into my bank, my PayPal, my personal Facebook, personal Twitter, personal everything. That's a nightmare, dude. Oh, my God. I was That was the last time I cried, October 18th, 2015, man. I remember I was like, it's over. I was like, I lost it all. It's done. And I think... You know, that's something that that is scary about the Internet world of like you can it can kind of be taken away from you um, at any moment. And think about it. Instagram in 2015, even though it's not that long ago, it wasn't as big as it is now. And it wasn't like you could just call up customer service or you had a Instagram contact. I mean, I think in 2015, they did not have, you know, I think they have thousands of employees now or whatever they do, but they didn't have that many employees even. So. You know, it, it was a tough 13 days. And mm-hmm. I want to say Bleacher Report got me the account back because they were one of the few people that had contacts over at Facebook who could then contact people at Instagram to help me out. And, um, you know, it was a process. It was tough. But once that happened, too, and, and people make jokes like, oh, Bleacher Report did it. And I'm like, no, like they, they didn't do it because we were pretty we were from from their point vantage point. The negotiations were going great. You know, so um, so that made me kind of say, OK, you know, you don't have the rights. You can get shut down that way. You know, if, if one day a league 
gets angry at you and says, we want to, we want you to pay for these rights. But then the second thing was like, Hey, I just got hacked. So this is a great opportunity. I'm going to be able to work right after graduating. Um, this is, this can be a dream come true and kind of get you started on that journey. So you make the decision to leave there and go to ESPN. What, what was it like leaving your baby? That was one of the hardest decisions I've made in the last five years. And I remember even telling, you know, Jimmy Pataro, who was the president of ESPN, like, Hey, like, I, just so you know, like, I'm not like looking to leave. Like, I'm actually very happy where I am. These are good people. Um, you know, they're very nice to me. Like they've given me a bunch of opportunities and, and, you know, you know, and he kind of talked about how, like when he left Yahoo to Disney and I think leaving Disney to ESPN was, you know, he was never looking for the opportunity, but if the opportunity was worth it, it, it you know, it, it caught his eye and he would, you know, try it out. And I don't think he would mind me sharing that. So, um, that was kind of the way I, I, look, I went into it too. Like I wasn't looking in to leave, you know, the opportunity at ESPN just because, you know, when I, I remember coming on the campus the first time and that campus is huge, the one in Bristol. And I'm like, oh, this is a different world, you know, <laughs> like, and, and, I, and I, this is no disrespect to all the places I've worked at, but, you know, I think a lot of us thought, oh, like we are legit competitors to ESPN and our office is one one thousandth the size of the Bristol <laughs> campus. Yeah. Uh, we have one one millionth of the responsibilities. You know, it, it really I mean, honestly, that the humbling moment was, you know, coming on the campus and you're like, this place is a monster. Yeah. And there are so many different opportunities, whether it's podcasts, <laughs> whether it's TV, whether it's the app whether it's social, whether it's even digital, they have all the digital shows too that are killing it. They're even the, I mean, YouTube is another thing I, I could, I'm not, I swear, I'm, these were all things that, that ESPN radio, like, I'm not joking. I made a list of like, what do I have here? What I'm currently doing. I have like two things, social, a Twitter show. Cool. Mm-hmm. What are the opportunities on this other end? Okay. Another thing that people say is you're going to be a small fish in a big pond. That's fine. You know, you kind of think about where you start and you're like, this is all a journey. And it doesn't matter if I'm not the biggest fish tomorrow or whatever. But as long as I have opportunities to grow and and challenge myself, you know, I think one thing also was if you start doing the same stuff and every day you wake up and your your job's kind of the same, it kind of gets boring. You know, no matter how great it is working in sports, Mm -hmm. you always kind of looking for that next challenge. So I think that was exciting about ESPN is you're like, there's like 10 to 15 challenges here, big challenges at ESPN that I could never do where I'm currently at. So let me try to make this decision. And um, it's been great. It really has. So no matter how self-confident we are, it's sometimes difficult to talk about ourselves. Yeah. But I want you to do that for me here as best you can. In what ways do you think media, sports media changed because of you? Ooh. See, yeah, you're right. I, I hate having – I know it's hard. Ego. I know it yeah. is. I, I think the, the view on social completely changed. I mean, I think social, you think about five, six years ago, it was intern's job, you know? Right. Oh, that, give it to the intern. Intern will post something on, on the Twitter thing, you know? And I, I think one thing that we helped show with, with House of Highlights was that you can make a real business and, and you can do big brand deals. And, and we worked with Nike. We worked with Lexus. We worked with Under Armour, Adidas, Gatorade. 
Coca-Cola, the list goes on. And I think we were one of the first people to have that in sports where we had these big sponsors um, want to work with us on just Instagram. And that helped legitimize the business. I think also when you saw like LeBron reposting us and shouting out all this, whether it was House of Highlights or Sports Center now, um, that helped put a real stamp. And I think people were also, you know, super, I think people are naturally really biased to Twitter of like, especially in our field of like, oh, Twitter is this great thing. It's an amazing platform. I couldn't say enough good things about it. But I think it also helped. You're a better man than me. <laughs> it, listen, Twitter can also be the Twitter is the one where there's the, the the biggest highs and lows. I mean, I think the lows on Twitter can be pretty rough. Yeah. And that's something that I really do think they should figure out because you know, we talked about having thick skin, but Twitter is where I think it can be worse. You know, it's one thing when it's an Instagram DM, but when people try to do a tweet and, and get a bunch of tweets on top of it to kind of cancel somebody or whatever, I think that can always be tricky, depending on the situation, of course. But um, I think, you know, I think I helped. And I also, one of the biggest things that I, that, 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 that I was kind of able to make happen was it used to be when, when, whether it was ESPN, The Score, Sports Illustrated, whoever it was, nobody would post their highlights on Twitter or on Instagram or on anything. What they would make you do is they would say, LeBron James Dunk, go to our website to exactly. watch. Yep. And that is the biggest thing. I forced everyone's hand to adjust because what was happening is this House of Highlights thing is outgaining everyone in followers has more views than everybody, more engagement, all of the metrics you want. And all these companies had to say, oh my God, like, what do we do? Like, what are we supposed to do here? And not only was it the sports media companies, but the leagues, the NBA started posting on Instagram, the, the highlights. The NFL never posted their highlights on Instagram. And now they do. And that wasn't a thing, you know, two, three years ago. The NFL even started an account called The Checkdown, great account. But I, I was told by the people that created the account, it was inspired by the House of Highlights. So, you know, that that is a, the biggest game changer that, you know, whenever you're scrolling on Instagram, um, there was a point and you see all these highlights. There was a point where that was never the case. And I think we helped uh, force everyone to do that. Two more things and I'll let you go. I've, I've already kept you off your phone for uh, 50 minutes or something I've now. I've um, a couple of times. <laughs> I... Uh, What's it like? I mean, as a as a kid growing up down there who idolized LeBron, yeah, or what like that they know you or that they know who you are and and that they shout you out when you're doing a live stream or whatnot. Yeah, I, I think the LeBron one was a cool like full circle moment because that was one where you know I had loved him. He did so many great things for the Heat. And, you know, House of Highlights benefited a lot. Sports Center benefited a lot. And to, yeah. for him to shout out within 90 days, you know, one thing I noticed was he was liking our post when I started working on Sports Center immediately. Like not, and I, he, listen, he followed House of Highlights before, but I'm like, this is at a higher rate, you know, because I changed the strategy a little bit. You know, now I could do photos. Now I could do other stuff. Um, and I was like, man, he is very engaged. He was commenting way more. And that wasn't the case, you know, prior. And, and I and I was like, okay, wow, he really likes his page. And then we have that first live stream and he goes nuts. And that's one of those like pinch yourself moments. 
I remember I couldn't sleep that night. It was like three <laughs> in the morning, and three thirty. I'm still texting people like, "Yeah, yeah, he he shouted us out," and, and that was that was an amazing moment. But the biggest for me was Dwayne Wade. Uh, if you're from Miami, that is everyone's hero. Yeah, he's got. Well, that was Dan Marino, but right now, if you grew up in Miami, that's your hero. And you know, his camp had suggested that me and him do a jersey swap before his final home game and I couldn't believe it and I did a jersey swap with him and I still have the picture like hanging around my house in my parents house too and also I got to sit with him and react to his best highlights and we chatted for about 30 minutes and it was kind of like my going from my childhood to my adulthood going through this man's career and I think that's the day for me that's like one of the best days of my life really of just like having that moment where you meet your hero, not only do you do the jersey swap, which is like this amazing moment in itself, but kind of just talking about everything and, and sharing my stories of what it was like watching him and where I was at when he hit this game winner or hit that, you know, shot. Um, and, he, you know, and he couldn't be nicer. Your brother and mine, Patrick Abrahams, tried to arrange a jersey swap between me and D Wade that last year too where I gave him my high school jersey which is basically <laughs> sandpaper because I'm so old Omar but uh ultimately I think they were into it but it never materialized dang it um, last thing I got for you man I'm very curious as someone who's kind of trying to hold on to the tiger's tail mm -hmm. with all this social media uh, uh the movement as it were where's it going TikTok. Like, where's this thing going dude yeah, I, I think, you know, what's been so interesting is we had eight years of dominance of Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, even YouTube. And not that they're not going to be dominant anymore, but a new player came into the world and it was TikTok. Mm. What was crazy is the content on that platform is different than any content on any of the platforms before, which is just, you would think that it's impossible to invent new content, especially for 60 second clips and there's everything it's it's it can be as people think it's dancing but there's everything from dancing to how to quickly change your tire to making the chick-fil-a chicken sandwich uh <laughs> without going to chick-fil-a to you know what's the behind the scenes like and what it's like going to an nba game or an nfl event or you know whatever it may be and that's the stuff where I, I'm like, I love TikTok because it's also the only platform right now where anyone can go viral. And it, the, the algorithm, what it does is you'll make a video, you'll post it, and it'll test that video with an audience. And if it doesn't, if that audience doesn't like it, they'll test it with another audience. And it's trying to find an audience that will like it. So if you make an NBA video, it's going to find NBA fans. And if the NBA fans like the video, it's going to continue to share it with NBA fans. So you could have zero followers on TikTok and get a video that gets a million views. And I think wow. that's super exciting because it's the only platform right now where you can be whoever you want to be and you can get a million views on a video. And I think that's exciting. So you think I need to join it is what you're telling me. I think all ESPN talent, anyone should join. And, I, and honestly, like, you know, we have unique stories to share of, of our journey, but also, to I mean, there's so many people that want to work in sports. And, and that's something I really learned when I made my own account of like, I'm like, hey, here's what it's like going to a sporting event. Hey, here's what it's like doing a hit. You know, you had that awesome moment where you were you were uh, 
uh, talking to, to that young man about, you know, what, what it's like, uh, yeah. you know, recording those hits and people like people love that type of stuff and that behind the scenes stuff, man. And as you saw as well. So I think stuff like that is, is just great. And it's helpful. Man, I appreciate you, brother. Congratulations you so on all much. your success and what an amazing story. What an amazing path. And I love what you said when we started, let's bring it full circle. I think passion is undefeated. Yeah. And and I love that you preach that just like I do. Have an amazing day. Uh, I cannot believe, ladies and gentlemen, I've kept Omar Raja off of his phone for way too damn long. But 45 minutes, it's a record. <laughs> it might legit be a record in, in a very long, long, long time. <laughs> I hope I don't get you fired. No, Appreciate you, you brother. <laughs> Thank you, my man. Have a great day. God bless y'all. You too. All right, just a second ago, you guys heard Omar discussing what it was like to – see LeBron James shout him out. Travis, do we have that clip? Can you roll that clip so people can hear it? Hey, Sports Center, who who, who controlling y'all social media oh feed? Y'all be on point. Y'all <laughs> be on know. point. It's so much of us. I, oh, okay. Exactly. Exactly. Y'all got y'all got a y'all got a bro or sister here running y'all uh social media feed for show. How awesome is that? That I mean that's that's LeBron giving you the seal of approval. I know. Like that's a stamp, like well done. And it's so cool too, when it's your hero, when it's somebody that you grow up idolizing and appreciating what they did for your city, what they did for your town and that you and your boys grew up pretending you were that guy on a playground says that kind of thing to you. That's the ultimate. And, and he deserves every bit of it. What a sharp, Young man. I mean, was he 20 years younger? What is he, 25, 26 or something? And he's in a very competitive, you know, this whole business is competitive, but like his area, like he was talking about, I, I remember the joke would always be when something happens, oh, some intern tweeted out, they'll they'll send out an apology or whatever. It's it's no longer interns running these Twitter and TikTok accounts and everything. It's It's individuals that are really good at what they do. And he's changing the game so are, are you gonna standard. get on tiktok marty uh well so that's where i'm at with it i gotta talk to laney about it i mean it's just i don't know man it, i'll tell you man with my podcast the road you leave behind i've been talking to these country artists right every one of them is mentioning it i think because it's just it's it's a complete avenue and channel to your fan base well here's what we can do then we'll just start clipping off like 50 seconds of video from we'll start maybe we'll start it with omar we'll put it out there and we'll just post some videos i gotta talk to laney about this well yeah laney laney is the it department and the she's she runs the uh the social media division it gives me anxiety appreciate omar what an awesome story uh by the way he's 26 uh we all know birthday he was his birthday is april 16th mine's april 15th he was born in 1994 i was born in 76 (laughs) 94-year chasing race cars. Roll tide roll. Uh, appreciate him, man. What an amazing career, and, and heaven knows where it's going because his, it changes every day for him. And he talk, just talked about getting to a million followers now. Is it followers? What do you have on TikTok? He's got, a million, fo- he's got a million followers on TikTok, and, I mean, the amount of likes that he's had of his videos is just insane. A million followers on TikTok. I'm such an old fossil. Like, I, you need to just – put wings on me and hang me up in the Smithsonian, man, because it just ain't good. Appreciate you, all of our – You think you're making it to the Smithsonian? Yeah, man. I, 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 oh, my – I mean, golly. I, 
<laughs> I just put me up there with the right brothers, man. There you go. Appreciate our law enforcement officials all over the country working hard to keep our community safe. All of our first responders, paramedics, putting their lives on the line, fire, firemen, putting their lives on the line to save others, and certainly the United States military. We appreciate every one of you who are active service or veterans for everything that you sacrificed to keep us free. This is Marty Smith's America. Thank you guys for investing in it. If you love it, like it. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review it. It matters to our sponsors. It matters to my bosses. And tell so a friend. do that. Yeah, hey, that's true. Tell your buddies about it, please. Get them signed up so that they're listening to it as well. Even if they aren't, just take their phone and just subscribe, and then they'll start to listen to it. Yeah, Whatever you got to do. Just steal their phone and subscribe to this thing. We appreciate it. Y'all be good. We'll try better next time around. Be well.